This is the intro song for my asshole brain. <laughs> Welcome to episode something something of my asshole brain. I feel like we should stop labeling which episode it is. Because or just start over every time. Welcome to episode one. Right, because the thing is on Podbean, when we, ha- when we have topics that we spread over two episodes, it lists them as, as a new episode right? number. So when we're, our numbers aren't matching up with what their numbers are anyway. So I, I don't know that we need to number them. I think maybe we should just not. I think we should. We don't have to be conformist either. Right. We could just go with our own numbers and fuck Podbean. Or we could. But not really. Thank you, Podbean. We could just apply random numbers or we could even just like start using letters. I like that. Or we Episode could, B2. Right. Or we could just. Bingo. We could also just uh, label them by what the topic is, which is probably the most logical thing to do. That could make so today we have decided, well first I guess we should say welcome, welcome back from the break. It is year 2020. Um, we took an unanticipated hiatus, uh, although honestly given the holidays we should have anticipated that we were going to need a hiatus. Yeah, because busy and also stressful. fucking holidays. Yes, it, yeah, and stress, stress and... Family and stress and also, fun and, yeah. and happiness and gifts and uh-huh. family and stress yes. and oh god. Yeah. yeah. So, us thinking that we wouldn't be skipping any was probably naive of us. So, I apologize for not having given. Amanda's sorry that she's naive. I'm sorry that I'm naive. So are we. And I, I could not accurately predict. Life. Uh huh. And our inability to keep up with the recording schedule, even though things were getting crazy. So, um,. Yeah, in the past when we took a hiatus, we did warn people about it, and this time we didn't, so sorry. And Although, I, and part of me was honestly kind of like, well, I think only a handful of people listen, so, and I keep saying that, but I, we got an email that, like, gave us our year roundup. Yeah. And there were, like, 555 downloads last nice. year. Nice. Now, to truly successful podcasts, meaning, like, top 10 podcasts and stuff like that, that would be a drop in the bucket, but... Hey, if you consider that good. we only have like like twenty five episodes out, but for five hundred and fifty five downloads, that's pretty good. Someone can do the math. I'm or sure. Or there's just someone that's downloading the episodes over, over and, and over and over because they don't understand how their computer works. Okay, well, and I'm no, also, I was I'm also okay with that because that's I funny. was trying to go with like a really more pop. Well, actually, that only ends up being around twenty two downloads per episode so maybe it's not as impressive as i thought it was <laughs> whatever it's still good <laughs> my standards are low i'll take whatever i can get and frequently i do oh wow womp, womp. okay <laughs> well this is a good time to segue into our topic which is sad fishing <laughs> and uh now yeah. i just keep picturing a really sad fish yeah um the I found the term online when I was reading about something else. Like, I stumbled across it, and it was coined by a woman named Rebecca Reed, and she defines it as the act of posting sensitive, emotional, personal material online to gain sympathy or attention from the online community. Now, she doesn't necessarily present it as a bad thing, because she says there's nothing wrong with wanting to get attention, but... If you look into this more, the fact of the matter is there can be something 
wrong when you're doing it for manipulative reasons or when you're doing it for the sole purpose of garnering attention rather than um, because you're trying to seek genuine support or, or yeah, raise awareness for mental health issues, which is a reason why a lot of people do it is because they want to, they're, you know, they're trying to sort of cast a net to see if someone out there can help them because they're struggling and they don't know how else to do it. Or because I think in celebrities' cases, sometimes they will talk about stuff because they want to sort of raise awareness. And I do think that in part that's helped make or reduce the negative stigma surrounding mental illness. Yeah. Um, so it can, in those terms, you know, posting about your struggles can be very useful. But when you're, when you are really only doing it because you want people to pay attention to you or you're kind of being manipulative about it, that's when it becomes a problem. And quite honestly, it can sort of, from my standpoint on it, ruin relationships because I get fed up with that shit pretty quick. Like yeah. if someone is constantly like, woe is me, my interest in interacting with them and having anything to do with them just completely drops. Yeah. I mean, there's people that I've just, uh, well, honestly, I don't go on social media much at all anymore. But when I was more active on social media, um, there were people who were clearly doing this that I just stopped responding to altogether. And some of them I also just unfriended because I got tired of it. Yeah. I'm going to say, like, I get it. Yeah. It's hard to say that and not feel like you're sounding like, you know, like, oh, this person's, you know, fuck this person who's having a huff, tough time. There's a difference between somebody who's having a tough time and kind of, you know, venting and a person who just literally, the world is falling down around them at all times and... It just, yeah, it just seems like all they want to do is, woe is me. Have people tell Every, them yeah. how, I'm so sorry for you. Yeah, everything, you know, I can't yeah. imagine what that's like. Everything must be sorry. Is there anything I could do? No, I'll just, you know, yeah, it's. Or sometimes they will use that as an excuse to get people to do things for them, to donate to a cause or like, yeah. and, I, and when I say like a, a cause, I mean their own personal pockets. Yeah. And to be honest, I've seen this more in actual groups that we've been a part of than at the wider on the wider like pages. just on generic Facebook, yeah. Right now, that's not to say people don't do it. I've had people that are yeah, their Facebook is just constantly whatever new thing is going horrifically wrong. Yeah, and then, I mean, let's face it, this does deal with the conversation we had previously about social media. Yeah. So th this is kind of tied into that and part of the reason why I said I really struggle with social media because of a lack of authenticity and because it really feeds into sometimes narcissistic behavior or attention-seeking behavior. And sad fishing in particular is one of the things that can be very attention-seeking. Um, I think what surprises me is that people buy into it. Like I... Yeah. I I'm pretty sensitive to it, and I get fed up pretty quickly. And But maybe I'm just a very, maybe I'm dead inside. Maybe I'm a very unsympathetic person. That's probably what it is. I probably. Yeah. <laughs> no, I honestly, like, my initial reaction, well, the first couple of times I'm usually sympathetic, but the moment I begin to see a pattern yeah. is the moment I'm like, mm, no, I'm being manipulated, and I don't want anything to do with yeah. this. Like, my, my that little red flag pops up pretty quickly for me. Yeah. Those are usually the people that after a while, I'm like, okay. I don't necessarily not 
want to be friends with you, but we're going to use that snooze feature Facebook has and just hide you for yeah. a while. And the thing is... And then they pop back up 30 days later and they're still doing the same annoying thing. And I'm like, oh, look, unfollow. <laughs> I don't want to look at you at all. Yeah, I'm like, we're not going to pop you back up again at all. Yeah. And I, I mean, it sounds unsympathetic and it sounds unkind, but the truth of the matter is if people are having legitimate issues, the best place to go to seek help is not by posting on social media. Apparently, from what I've heard, it's Snapchat. Yes. Not Facebook. That's Snapchat. what Ava says. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's what I've heard. Yes, that, that Snapchat is full of, of yeah. people posting. Which their... would explain why I still have mental health conditions, because I myself do not use Snapchat. Mm-hmm. And apparently that's a viable option that I've bypassed. Well, notice she said that that's what people use it for, but she did not say it was successful. Uh, so I don't think that Snapchat, I don't think you're going to get the cure for this that you want either. Mm. So in the conversation when they were talking about this, they were talking about it in terms of uh, celebrities because obviously they have a wider audience. And a lot of times when celebrities will post something about their struggles, there's a lot of people who are very unsympathetic to that. Now, in part, I think I get it because sometimes when celebrities complain about things, it's really hard to listen to people who are very wealthy and have access to better health care and better mental health care and, like, can go on vacations whenever they want and don't have to worry about paying bills. Like, when you don't have to worry about, like, the... Like, oh, you're having a bad day? That must suck. I have to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, or like oh you you have this problem well it's a good thing that you can pay for the best therapist or you can go check into a facility for a month and get treatment like they have access to things that the average person doesn't so when they complain about things the average person can be like oh boo-hoo like you don't have any room to complain because you have access you don't have real problems right um, either you don't have real problems or the real problems you do have, you can, you can fix easily because you have money. Right. Which isn't necessarily true because no amount of money can actually just fix mental illness, for instance. Um, but what was really interesting was they were saying that the people who tend to be the less sympathetic to celebrities who post sad things... And who also accuse celebrities of sad fishing. So they're the ones who claim that celebrities aren't genuinely sad or genuinely depressed, that they're just posting for attention. They are more likely to exhibit what is referred to as the dark triad, which is narcissism, Machiavellianism, or psychopathy. So they tend to have, the, the more strongly they exhibited these traits, the more likely they were to lack sympathy for celebrities and then in turn abuse the celebrities on social media for daring to post about their problems and accuse them of sad fishing. What it intrigued me was these same people are also more likely to sad fish themselves. So they're hypocrites. On top of that. So is it, would that make it a dark what I'm saying, what's the what's the four sided version of a triad? A quadrad? I was gonna say tet- a square? Tet- tetrad? The dark square? Is that what it is? I don't know. That just sounds silly. Uh, the dark, dark square. square. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really lame. It sounds like the title of like a short story that like a really goth fourteen year old would write. The dark square. <laughs> and you know it's gonna be like really self-indulgent <laughs> and my life is a dark square <laughs> my entire room is a dark square 
Parallel universe is a dark square. Everywhere I go are dark squares. <laughs> there you go. What are, okay, so instead of it being like a shitty short story, it would probably be like a shitty poem. <laughs> and they'd have to keep flipping their hair. In their face right. As while they, they read their it. phone. <laughs> or maybe not their phone, maybe post it notes or index cards because no it would be because like, phones are too it, it would be a well-worn journal no, that was full of their thoughts their deep thoughts shitty poetry. Anyone see? if i lose this just look for the shitty poetry notebook just find me i'll be in my dark square <laughs> oh, oh dear i say this is someone who wrote my fair share of of shitty poetry as a teen and most was very angsty so i'm not trying to pick on a particular type of person i think most teenagers yeah i'm more like picking on a past version of myself past bullying (laughs) yes past self-bullying in case some in case somebody thinks that i'm like being uh discriminatory toward a certain you keep writing your (laughs) shitty poetry anyway um so i thought again so yes they're hypocrites on top of everything else um, but one of the other reasons that sad fishing can can be bad, not only because it's manipulative on the per- part of the person who's trying to elicit sympathy from people, uh, it, it can also affect the people who read it. Because if you have people who are genuinely empathetic, then it can make them feel bad. Yeah. Um, it says uh, posting deeply emotional content such as about serious health concerns might also cause, cause readers to experience anxiety, physical, or mental stress. And although social media can provide a supportive place for people to talk about their mental health or other health issues, it's important to know that disingenuous posts could do more harm than good. So it's not to say that, like, if you are struggling, you're not supposed to post about it, but you should post about it, like, with a sense of honesty and with the intent of just, like, being genuine about your struggles and kind of sharing them rather than posting it for the sole purpose of hoping that you're going to make people pay attention to you, feel bad for you, and then do things for yeah. you. And then instead of, you know, having people that, you know, get legitimately upset or triggered, as it were, by yeah. you know, the things that you post. That's the other thing, is there are times when I have seen people, I've seen friends get concerned and upset because of stuff they've read other people have posted, because yeah. they're like, oh, I'm really concerned, I think that there's something wrong with them, or I'm afraid they're going to do this and that. Whereas if I've had like more experience with that person, or again, we've touched on the fact that maybe I'm a little bit more cynical, that my my tendency to think that I'm being manipulative or manipulated is, uh, or maybe that was a Freudian slip. Oops. <laughs> my tendency to think that someone's trying to manipulate me is that switch gets flipped pretty easily. Quickly, yeah. Because of past experiences that I've had, I am probably not as generous in my assumption of, of people's motivations. Yeah, as so other if someone else might sees be. it or concern, you've dealt with that person and you're like, eh, I wouldn't take that at face value. Right. Yeah. So my tendency is to kind of err on the side of, no, they're probably okay. I think this is being exaggerated because they want you to pay attention to them. Yeah. I don't think you have to be genuinely concerned. That's not to say you can't be nice and reach out, but I don't think you have to pull your hair out in stress and fear that this person is in a, a terrible space and is going to you know, do themselves great harm or is going to end up out on the street or whatever it is they're talking about. They're probably exaggerating. So I know that there have been times when people have said to me or voiced their concern to me for another person. And my response has been, oh, I think they're probably okay. <laughs> they're fine. Then uh, I've 
probably seemed like an asshole. But I'm I really am basing it on experience yes. because there have been times when I have been Repeated genuinely experienced. Right. Too. Right. There are times when I have genuine sympathy and concern for people. Absolutely. That's not to say that I never feel for people. But to be quite honest, especially because I'm never on social media anymore, um, I'm happy to give sympathy and support to people, but really you're going to have to seek me out. Like you're going to have to text yeah. me and say, I had a really shitty day. And then I'm all in and I'm like, okay, what yeah. do you want to do? Because if you're making the effort to talk to me, then you aren't just like, as I mentioned before, like casting a wide net, just yeah. trying to see whatever sad fish you can Right, collect. you are specifically like, hey, I want to tell you. Right, this- uh, yeah, because because we have a connection and because you trust that I can I will be supportive of you. So, if someone seeks me out individually and privately, yeah. I will be very sympathetic. But if you're just posting on social media, my so, assumption is you're just if you if you can't be bothered to talk to people privately on an individual basis, it must not be that bad. So, if I want to post something sad fishing in the future, I should tag you. That's what you're saying. <laughs> so that you see it. Well, if you're sad fishing, <laughs> no. Because that would imply you're being manipulative and you're just seeking attention. If you want genuine help, you should text me. <laughs> Sorry. Too shit. I know. It requires effort. But in truth, that's one of the things that they talked about in the article. That if you are struggling and you need, if you truly need support, then a better place to find it other than on social media is to reach out to people individually right. who you know are going to be supportive of well, you. Well, it also depends, like, you know, depending on who you are, you have 1,100 friends on Facebook. So, yeah, presumably not everyone there is A, going to care or is B, right. going to see it. And it's not like you're going to get 1,100 people, oh, no, what's going on? How can I help? And even if you did, what are you going to do with 1,100 responses? That would overwhelm Go through them very slowly. (laughs) See, if I'm already stressed, and then I have 1,100 people, I'd be like, oh my God. I made a horrible decision to leave. (laughs) Now I have to answer all these people, and that's even worse. That's when you just put, that's when you just make another plain generic post after saying, thank you for your responses. Yeah. Just move on. Yeah. Well, my aunt passed away. I appreciate away. all your care. Yeah. Concern, but please, God, stop. That's kind of what I do with my birthday things. Although, actually, I usually do those individually because I'm so inactive on social media that, like, on Facebook, like, only a handful of people really reply. And I'm like, I can handle that. I can handle saying things to 40 people individually. But, like, recently, my, my aunt passed away very unexpectedly. And no. I really struggled with whether or not I should even post because I'm not very active on there anyway. And I'm like, if I do post something, is it going to seem weird? Like, it, yeah. how, like I'm never on here. She so only uses Facebook to tell us when people die. Right. I'm like, is it? She's like a Jewish mother. Right. And I, it was, I really struggled with whether I should. I, I was also reluctant to put it out there because I didn't want people to be like, oh my God, are you okay? Like, Do you need anything? Is there right? anything I can like? It's like, no, I'm, I'm like, okay. I'm upset, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm I'm very saddened by it. It was very unexpected. It was fucked up. I wish it hadn't happened. You know, I wish she were still here. Yeah. More than that, though, I'm worried about my cousin and how she's going to be doing. But I don't want to turn the spotlight on her, right? So, like, I was like, okay, I want to say something because I want to recognize that this person who was an affable person in my life and who was kind to me 
is no longer here. Like, I want to honor her. Right. But then when, when sympathy started pouring in, I felt almost like I wanted to go, oh, I'm a fraud, right? But <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Delete. I am so um, hypersensitive to the ways that people use social media to manipulate others. Yeah. That, like, I don't even, I'm afraid to say or do anything right. for fear it's going to come off as manipulative as well. Literally from three years ago, today was too emotionally draining for words. I'm being dramatic and vague booking. It's my Facebook post. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Anyway. Well, because of my, you know, I've I've just and I think that's one of the reasons that I've I've come I've stepped back from social media because one, my hypersensitivity to what other people are doing yeah. and feeling like I found myself being very suspicious. Of people's motives. Right. And like I, is this legit? Are right. they and, I do that. Yeah. And and I mentioned to you before and probably mentioned in the episode where we talked about social media that it it was getting to the point where there are people who I want to like and people who I like when I'm around them in person. I wasn't I don't like their Facebook or their social media per- personas. So in order to preserve my positive opinions of some people, I had to stop being on there so often because I found myself getting so frustrated and, like I said, really questioning people's motives and found myself not giving them the benefit of the doubt. And to be perfectly honest, to call myself out here, there have been times when I was going through some shit where I was certainly, like, casting in it, trying to find support because the shit was hitting the fan and and perhaps people who I had previously been able to rely on, I couldn't anymore. And so I was just kind of trying, like thrashing around. Someone. Right. Anyone. Any, like anything, like can anyone, does anyone, is anyone out there? Does anyone care? And I think that that's probably what a lot of people are doing when they post on social media. They kind of throw it out there and see what what comes, what happens, right? And so I don't know that it's always designed to be manipulative. Sometimes I do think it is. I'm not sure anybody gives a shit, so I'm just going to put this out there and see what happens. And I think, like, I have a handful of different people that I think that's the case. They feel very isolated in their general life, and so their access to people and people they care about may be social media, unfortunately. And on the flip on, you know, on one hand, you know, that's, that makes it even more sad in some ways that things have gotten to, for whatever reason that they are so isolated that that, that is their option. And then that especially sucks in those situations because you get, you know, then those, can be situations where people are like oh look at this person they always post the same shit yeah and they legitimately are going through it and struggling but it ends up having the opposite effect of what they want because uh, and and i think you and i have seen or know people who are legitimately struggling but because they're constantly posting about it they're you and we've talked about this before with compassion fatigue there's only so much attention and sympathy that any one person has to give and so when someone is constantly seeking support people are going to run out of support to give exactly now in those cases it's not technically sad fishing because it's not being done they're for not attention trying seeking. to be manipulative right or... they genuinely do need help but 
at the end of the day, if you if you're really struggling, social media is not the place to go to. You either need to try to reach out to people privately and see if you can get help and support that way in person or on the phone or through text, but one-on-one with people like genuine connection, or you, if possible, need actual professional help, which can sometimes be the case too. And I think, I do think there are people who use social media as a crux. Let me say, let me try that again. I think there are people who use social media as a crutch. Was like a horcrux? It's a horcrux. Um, <laughs> because they don't, sometimes it's because they don't have other resources. Let's right. face it, there's not a lot of uh, support out there. There's not a lot of access to mental great. health. Right. And mm-hmm. honestly, and th- things like that, I'd rather do that because I fucking hate therapy. But that's just a personal issue. If I'm in crisis, it's wonderful. Yeah. Because I can talk all day about shit that's going wrong. But if I'm not, I have no interest in talking about it and everything. Everything's fine. We don't need to discuss these things. Why am I here and why am I paying you money for it? To be honest, I've gotten to the point where there are certain things that make me feel so bad when I talk about them. I don't want to talk about them. Right. So I get reluctant. And there's there are certain things that will pop up. And, and like if something's happened... For instance, some shit happened around Christmas, and I remember when I went to go talk to Steve about it, I just felt so exhausted. I was like, I want him to know what happened. I need him to know what happened. But I just don't want to fucking talk about it because it just makes me feel bad and it gets me angry all over again. Yeah. So I was like, I guess I could just pretend like it didn't happen and move on. But the thing is, I know this is going to crop. I know this is going to come up again and then there's going to be all that other backstory. Right, and and he's going to want to know, like... Why didn't you tell me about this before? Right, like why I'm having the reaction I'm having. And so I'll find myself saying, okay, so this thing happens, you know, and I'm I'm not happy about it, but whatever. And then just kind of moving on from there. Yeah. I... And this is something we've discussed before. I used to think if I talked about something long enough that I would stop feeling bad about it. Now I realize that there's a point at which, like, talking about it actually makes me feel bad. And so I don't want to. So I don't know where that, I don't know where that line is between talking about it because you need to. Like, I can do the initial venting. Yeah. But then there's a point at which talking about it just makes me feel shitty. And so I think that's the other thing, too, is when I see people kind of, like, Wanting to continually, like, revisit the same thing over and over. I'm just like, Jesus like, How Christ. do you have the energy to talk about this anymore? Right, like, haven't we done this? Like, can we just stop fucking talking about this? So, as someone observing someone else doing that, it even makes me feel like, ah, oh, this reminds me of when I was that way. And there are... I wish I could go back and get rid of some of the shit I fucking posted because I'm like, I I see having come out the other side of it and being in a better place, I see what I was doing. And I know that it was because I was in a time, I don't want to use crisis, that sounds exaggerating, but I was in in a shit time. I was struggling. I was having a real struggle. Personal crisis. You know, when you're doing, you do the best you can with what you got, but there are still times when I look back at certain things and I just like kind of shudder right and, I'm like, See, yeah. and i know people like on their fake like when stuff pops on facebook if they don't like it like an old memory or something they delete it so that they don't see it again when it pops on facebook memories yeah. like next year i'm like i saved that stuff for that exact reason so i can see it and be like god i was a douchebag 
Glad I don't do that anymore most of the time. There are times when I look at it and go, thank God I'm not in that same spot. Yeah. And I do, and I do find myself being grateful, but... There were also a lot of times when I would post stuff. Honestly, I could, it was more so in private groups where I was really struggling with things and trying to... Yeah. But in there, it was almost like a competition. And I guess because... And there, it was like you, you almost had to take things to hysterical yeah. lengths in order to get someone to pay attention you to you. You think you're doing bad. Well... Right. So, it was, so even there, it was... It was like if you're not in enough crisis or if you're not presenting it with enough hysteria or exaggeration, then you would only get a limited amount of support. So even that... No one's commenting. Right. So it's like, so if... when When I do try to present something for genuine support, because I'm just being honest and kind of... Just the facts, right? Yeah. Like presenting it this to what it is. Let's be honest, there's very rarely anything interesting about straightforward just the facts. Apparently, is that what it was? So was I just not interesting? And was that it? Was I, was your, should pro- I? your problems are boring. You need to kick them up a notch. Ah. Uh, yeah. Well, I can spice te- it up a little. I can weave an interesting tale if necessary. See? I've just I've I've tried not to to do that. I've I've tried to be as straightforward as possible. Stop but that. if that's uh, all right. Now I get it. <laughs> that is not what this world is for. We do not want genuine, genuine, genu- genuineness. There we go. I was going to say genuinosity. I like that word too. That works for me. Genuinosity. So I just need to take, is that like, like I, need genuine, ac- I need to be extra. Take your genuinosity up. Right. A notch. Like Emeril Lagasse. Bam. I just made a super old reference. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> I'm just, that wouldn't be hilarious if I just decided now in 2020 that I'm going to start posting things and just using the bam at the end of it. Like just every time I post something, I'm going to like come out with like hard truths or interesting facts and I'll be like, bam, at the end of it. And people are be like, who the fuck is this person? Who says bam? Stop it. <laughs> who are you? And what is happening? Are you a Flintstone? <laughs> bam. Bam, 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 bam. Now that's an even older (laughs) reference. Damn. And there's been times I've made old references before. You're welcome. And you've kind of glazed over, like not knowing what it's like if I'm like 10 years older than you. Uh, So I feel a little comfort in that you're making it. Yay, I'm the old person today. Yay. Well, so uh, one of the things that was interesting is uh, they said that in that article uh, from the conversation that sad fishing can also be a sign of histrionic personality disorder. We don't hear about that enough anymore. We don't. And I'm not... Okay, so to be completely honest, I struggle with the word histrionic because I assume it is rooted in hysteria, even though it's spelled with an I instead of a Y. I've always assumed that they were this... Same. Right, which comes from the base word for like you know hysterectomy. So yeah. it's it's female, right? It's <laughs> vagina, right? It's it's rooted <laughs> in the idea it, or the the concept of women's overreaction. It's like bitches be crazy. Yes. So <laughs> the official definition of histrionic. I'm I'm fascinated by what it is, but the name itself makes me think that it's something that is considered to be a, a female problem. Oh, it totally is. And you never hear 
Like, you never hear men called. Like, nobody ever talks to them like, oh, he's being history. Unless they're they're gay. True. Right. Like, right. You, so, right, because... No powerful straight man is going to be accused of, of being history. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, the definition of this, according to the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems... So many words. I want to give credit where credit is due. <laughs> It is characterized by shallow and labile affectivity, self-dramatization, theatricality, exaggerated expression of emotions, suggestibility, egocentricity, self-indulgence, lack of consideration for others, easily hurt feelings, and continuous seeking for appreciation, excitement, and attention. And I'm not going to lie, I see a little of myself in there, but not a lot. <laughs> so I read it was like, ah. there's a handful of words in there that I could be like, yeah. yeah. But uh, I feel overall, no. Yeah, like, uh, easily hurt feelings, yeah. I could also argue, like, I mean, that could explain, describe a lot of people. Like, being a person involves being shallow and egocentric. It's the whole reason we're still people. I think we all have those moments, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you have to be kind of, you know, self-involved to, like, live. I think survive. everyone thinks about themselves more than they think about others. That's not true. I think about everyone else way more. And what they think of you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. You got what I meant. <laughs> I'm constantly thinking about others and what they think of me and whether or not they love me. It's, it's like me. that old joke. Where, or the, what is it? It's like, oh, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? <laughs> So it's, and, and when I say I think people spend more time thinking about themselves than they do of others, that doesn't mean that I mean to say that everybody puts themselves about other, above yeah. others at all times. What I mean is, and I could be wrong here, I spend a lot of time thinking about myself, but only in terms of um, self-monitoring. I spend yeah. a lot of time examining my behavior, uh, checking myself. Yeah. Before you wreck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but making sure that I'm uh, doing what I need to do, that I'm not being an asshole. Or that you're not being a shitty person. Right. right. Like, I, I am very obsessed with not being a dick because it's very easy for me to slip into that mode. And right. I, have at, I have had moments in history where I have hurt others through my... Uh, explosive shittiness or uh, being wrapped up in my... <laughs> makes it sound like you have horrible diarrhea. Through my IBS. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, but um, I can't go to public restrooms at all anymore. That's right. Because of my explosive shittiness. <laughs> I am fully aware of my shortcomings and I work very hard to overcome them. So I spend a lot of time thinking about myself because I'm always afraid I'm going to fuck up and hurt somebody. Right. Um, so when I say I spend a lot of time thinking about it, it's not like so amazing i'm the best it's not it's not yeah. self-praise but that's it's also not what i think about myself so that's great the wonderful <laughs> do you have like songs playing in your head and like visions of meadows and frolicking and but that would be a wonderful place to live i do it's called delusional land <laughs> <laughs> must be wonderful there's many other people there but i can't see them because it's my land and you can't hear them right. <laughs> because you don't want to deal with that <laughs> shit shh yeah, so. My time. Go away. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I don't care what you think. <laughs> but this ties into a sing- attention-seeking behavior. And uh, 
So there's some science behind this, and uh, it's taken us a, a little bit of a while to get there, but we're going to talk about the science behind why people can become very self-indulgent in terms of um, attention-seeking behavior. So one of the articles I read by a woman named Claudette Pesterine, I think, talks about how to deal with sympathy addicts and attention seekers, and she gives a list of the uh, characteristics of people who seek attention and you may and she's not an expert this is just from her own experiences and when she was listing these out I was like oh yep yep seen that seen that seen that so they really rang true for me in regards to people who I would call consider to be attention seekers so the first one is problems are never their fault and this is something I'll say a lot. Like, people are always talking, it's everyone else's fault, right? Like, yeah. anytime anything goes wrong, anytime something happens, it's because other people have fucked up or other yeah. people are assholes. Certainly it's not anything I've done to lead right. me to this, you know. Certainly I haven't made poor decisions. Right. It couldn't be that. Right. Which reminds me of that that phrase that I've seen, and I, I'm pretty sure I've said it before, but the, if every room you walk into smells like shit, check your own shoes. Exactly. So if you find yourself continuing to have the same problem everywhere you go and with everyone you know, yeah. you're the common denominator. Yeah. But people who suffer from this, they don't they don't see that. They don't recognize that. They believe there is a fix out there somewhere and seek it through things like classes, workshops, prayer groups. So they are always trying they, they think that the the source of their problems is something that could be fixed if they just find like the magical solution right. to it. Because they need an external solution. Right, right. Which as someone who's not a religious person seeing that people would seek fixes out at places like prayer groups is confusing to me but whatever but i've seen people do this I've but i mean that people... makes sense i guess if you use religion as your fix because you think that still i just can't imagine willing to go into a prayer group uh, well i mean i've i've uh, i've seen someone and this is just an example um trade addiction for alcohol for addiction for jesus like they got straight they no longer drink but now like when they have problems, instead of getting drunk, they just give it up to God. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because at I least mean, that's, that's literally what AA is. So right, it's giving right belief in a higher power. Let go, give, let go, let God. Yeah. However, there still seems to be a lot of act. There still seems to be a lack of active participation in life. So before it was like, I don't know how to fix this problem, so I'm going to get drunk. And now it's, I don't know how to fix this problem. I'm going to pray. I mean, that's literally one of the steps you accept that you don't have control over yourself and that you have to give yourself over to a higher power. Well, you're supposed to, for it, you are supposed to admit that you don't have control over it. But there are, from what I understand, there are still, there's accountability. There is some. Like, you're still supposed to do some work. Like, you're still yeah. supposed to accept your role in certain things. Right. But I think a lot of people, you know, do the bare minimum doing that and then very much just go. Right. But everything it, that's gone wrong, I can fix it with God. Right. And and that doesn't... But the thing is... Which you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess if that's what keeps you sober for 40 years and... If it keeps If you, that's what works, fuck it. If you're happy and healthy, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. But if your life is still falling to shit and you're waiting for Jesus to save you, like... Jesus is busy. Maybe you, maybe you need to... Take the strength that Jesus gives you and put that into action. Right. Like, don't be, you shouldn't be passive. Like, you can still trust in God and still be an active participant in your life. Like, being a good Christian doesn't mean that you just sit around and wait for God to fix your problems. You still need to be an active participant in your life. That means you think you have free will. 
Well, you do have free will. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching The Good Place, and these things happen. Oh, I do love The Good Place. <laughs> I do love The Good Place. But it, uh, so, it, I, anyway. Sorry. I don't know how I got, but yeah, so th- sometimes, I mean, yes, that progress, but that's not just it. Like, it could be workshops. It could be uh, more like woo-woo solutions for it, right? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> the Ric Flair wrestling school of self-improvement like if i burn sage in my house that'll get rid of all the bad luck i have like so to be fair it does help sort of sometimes i i i don't mean to discredit and that your house smells better after you well yes it. it's less i don't mean to discredit any of these these tactics what i'm saying is that like it, it's the if you're the problem, you still need to fix yourself. You right. can't look for an external solution for an internal problem. There's a meme that I keep seeing that's about like burning sage to get rid of negative energy, and it talks about, and then you have an asthma attack because you are the negative energy. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. Like, yes, you can take steps, but if the root of the issue is not addressed, then yeah. it doesn't. Right, and sometimes it is an external problem, and sometimes there's not much you can do, and you just have to be like, you know what, I'm just going to... Hope. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't have control over this situation, so I'm just going to kind of, like, ask for good vibes because that's there's nothing else I can do. And exactly. in those cases, I understand wanting to seek external support because you don't have control over the situation. But the things you can control and the things that are rooted internally, you still have to address those as, as well. Yeah, you can't just, you know. Or else you're going to continue to have the same problems over and over. The other one is that they are often dissatisfied and feel that the grass will be greener when. So there's this idea that they're always thinking that once the the right things fall into place, they'll be happier. Or they're looking for like, oh, if I get the right car, I'll be happy. If I get the right job, I'll be happy. If I get the right partner, I'll be happy. But House, the thing, apartment, right. size, skirt, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but again, if, if, they, if it's an internal problem... No external yeah, solution. Yeah, you're putting gonna band, fix it. you're putting band-aids on things right. at best. Right. And then lastly that they believe their lives are worse than everyone else's and that bad luck plagues them. And we've talked about this before too, the people well, I mean, let's our entire thing is it's not a competition, but a lot of people do see that. Like they want to compete for having the saddest life. And we've yeah. talked about like that's the shittiest trophy ever to right. win. Why would you want to win that? My life is the worst. Well, have you tried doing that? Well, no, that won't work. Like, that makes me think of when we talked about social media and assholes and stuff like that. Well, have you tried doing this thing that worked? Well, that won't work because blah, blah, blah. Like, right. Well, what about, no, not that. Have you tried? No, none of these things will work. Okay. So what you're saying is you're sad and there are no solutions whatsoever. No one should suggest any except for when you ask for them to suggest them. Cool. Right. You're just supposed to feel bad for them. Right. They don't. I'm sorry. Your life is always bad and will always be bad, and I will not ever give you advice or try to help you because obviously it wouldn't do any good to do so. No, you just need to. You just need to provide them with sympathy and confirm that yes, their life truly is worse than everybody else's. And donate to their GoFundMe account as needed, (laughs) so that they can fund the classes and workshops and vacations that are going to make them feel better and solve all of their problems. Random fun side uh, fact comment a f- person that me and jesse both know used to know did post a gofundme a couple weeks ago to take him and his child to disney and i mean it was very obviously like like we never have fun i haven't been on vacation help give money like if one each of my friends gives me a dollar that would be enough to get us to disney 
How many fucking friends does this person have? A lot. Disney is expensive. A lot of Facebook friends. And I did the math. He wasn't wrong. Um. But, yikes. But it was still, it was something, it was an obscene um, amount. So then we were questioning, is it just him and his child? Is he trying to take him, his child, and his girlfriend? Like, are they also going to Universal? Does this cover airfare? What all does this cover? Because it still seemed like an exorbitant amount of money. But I digress. Yeah, I have some feelings about that. But, yeah. It was um, entertaining. Anyway. <laughs> That's, that's people are funny. That's one word for it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, the science behind this, I thought, was very interesting. Excessive attention-seeking behavior can be caused by trauma due to neglect. So why do sometimes people act this way? It actually has to do with how your brain is wired. So as we've talked throughout the entire podcast, there is such a huge connection between our emotions and our behaviors and our brains. And so when people engage in these behaviors, it is because they actually are physically rewarded for doing so. So when you have someone who has suffered neglect as a child, when they're going through their developmental stages, the developing brain observes observes its environment, wires itself accordingly to survive in the world that it presumes will be like those experiences. Okay, so there's a, an article on psych- psychology today that goes very in-depth into why people have attention-seeking behavior, and it's actually rooted in the brain. So what happens is when you're very young, if you are neglected, it can actually change the wiring within your brain. The developing brain observes its environment and wires itself accordingly to survive in the world that it presumes will be like those experiences. Newborns are extremely dependent on getting their mother's attention for survival. The more their needs are neglected during early development, the more the child equates getting attention with survival and safety. In turn, the more he or she develops the belief system that it is necessary to go to whatever lengths to get attention. So that sounds like it's just a behavioral trait. Like they learn if they get attention, it aids their survival. But it's more than that. And we've talked about the different parts of the brain. For instance, we've talked about like when rage, and we discussed the whole issue of rage, we talked about the amygdala a lot. That's the part of your brain that's very much responsible for your emotional responses. And so the thinking part of your brain that is responsible for managing your emotions is called the anterior cingulate cortex. Gesundheit. Is in the cortical thinking part of the brain, which disengages when the amygdala, which is the emotion center of your brain, swings into action. So when the amygdala is triggered, because um, if it feels like a lack of attention threatens their survival, the amygdala kind of goes on higher alert, right? Because like when we talked about fight and flight, it's the amygdala that kind of controls all that. It kind of freaks the fuck out, and then the part of your brain that's responsible for going, no, that's not rational, you're okay, it sort of shuts down. This is further exaggerated by the fact that you also have um, serotonin. So serotonin is needed to help the portion of the brain function. So the, the thinking part of your brain that controls the emotional part requires serotonin. People who have been traumatized or have undergone tremendous stress don't produce enough serotonin. So that it makes it much harder for the thinking part to control the emotional part, which is why what like a lot of antidepressants are serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Right. So yep. they're because people who don't produce enough serotonin, these drugs are supposed to allow them instead of like reabsorbing the serotonin, I guess is what the reuptake inhibitor means. 
something. Like I guess. It. I knew it way better at one right. point. So but. if you don't have enough serotonin, these drugs are supposed to allow what you do have to, I guess, kind of remain in play. Right. <laughs> so that, because if you don't have enough of that, then your emotions are sort of out of control and the part of your brain that would keep that shit in check can't. Yeah, which is where you get your rational irrational. And even if you're with right. it, you can say this is irrational, but just because you can convince yourself of that doesn't mean your brain's going to cooperate. Right. And you're still going to feel <laughs> like you're, it's like a panic attack. Yep. Nothing's happening that's going to kill you, but you can still believe you're dying because you feel like you're fucking yeah, dying. Because your body is triggering everything in the rest of, like your brain is triggering everything in the rest of your body to say yo, this is what happens when you die. Right. You're dying. Yeah. So even though there's a part of your brain that's going to say, but you're just sitting here and you're fine. There's nothing here that's going to kill you. It doesn't change the fact that the part of your brain that's on high alert is overriding any logical reasoning that you could do. And it's also rewarded because drama causes the pituitary gland and the hypothalamus to secrete endorphins, which make us feel good. They are pain-suppressing and pleasure-inducing compounds, which heroin and other opiates mimic it can also result in a release of dopamine which is this article calls the brain's happy dance drug (laughs) i don't know how i feel about that interesting but basically it releases things in your body that make you feel super good and you can become addicted to that just like you can become addicted to anger which we talked about in a previous episode you can become if attention causes you to release these endorphins and uh, dopamine, then you get addicted to attention because it makes you feel good. Yep. So there's a physical component to this. It's not just people being kind of narcissistic and difficult or whiny or, you know, whatever unsympathetic label you might want to throw on it. There's a physical component to it as well. So it's not just like, oh, hey, this is kind of fun and I like the attention. There's a whole lot more at play here, which is why when people Your are... Your body's for, thriving on it yeah, in some way. Yeah, you're getting high off of it. Yep. So, with any kind of addiction, it can be really hard to break that habit. And the, so the question was in this article, well, can we fix it? Well, the bottom line is you cannot rewire your brains. So that's kind of fucked up. (laughs) So if you were truly neglected and if you developed this pattern as a child and you've become an addict to attention for a very long time, the chances of you just stopping. Right. Are are slim. Uh, You're still going to, to get high off of it. However, you can reduce the behaviors. So you can change the behaviors, which will reduce the, the um, response, which means that you can kind of wean yourself off of it. So what you can do is some of the suggestions that they had were to surround yourself with people who are honest with you and who let you know when you're engaging in these behaviors. So if you are doing something that is manipulative and intention-seeking, rather than a genuine call for support but designed to elicit attention, if you have people in your life who can say, you need to calm the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. You're just being dramatic and You're exaggerating right now. Right, right. Then um, that can help you recognize that you're partaking in those behaviors and scale it back. 
And there's kind of the fake it till you make it aspect here, which is something that I keep tripping across. And it's something that I remember learning about um, even when I was studying Buddhism and I thought it was really weird. And I read something else recently about it too. You, you cannot, if you're trying to change a behavior, if you feel bad and so you don't want to do things, you can't wait till you feel better to do things. You just have to do the things and then yeah. eventually you'll feel better. We think that in order to change an action, we have to change the way we feel first. That is not how it, it works. Work. You've got to change the behavior and then the emotions follow suit. So if you act as if you are not a drama queen, and this is a quote from the article, and a, compul a compulsive attention seeker, the more you do that, the more efficiently those neurons will fire, and hence the easier the behavior will become. So the, the better you get at doing that, the parts of your brain that can be rewarded for good behavior, <laughs> you can kind of not entirely rewire your brain, but you can, you can train yourself. retrain it. Right, right. So, um, being aware that you're doing it, um, checking yourself. I've mentioned before that sometimes when I find myself wanting to have kind of a knee-jerk and extreme reaction, that I will reach out to certain people and say, am I being an asshole? Yeah. I, I think I've done it with you before. I'm like, I'm having this reaction. Yeah. Opinion. <laughs> is this, it, uh, this is upsetting me. Is that realistic? You know, yeah. I've, and I know I've done it with my friend Christine and my stepsister Lindsay. So... I'm fortunate to have people in my life who I think that if I say, am I reacting fairly, they are capable of being honest and saying, yeah, actually, that is bullshit, or mm, maybe not. Like, maybe right. you're you're being a little... Like, I understand where you're coming from, but... But there's this other way to look at it. And Steve's actually really good at that as well. So... It's really good to have people in your life who don't indulge you in that shitty behavior and who are willing to be honest with you when you are being kind of dramatic. Yeah. And the other thing that they were saying for people who suffer from this, especially those who do come from neglectful backgrounds, that that forgiveness of the people who raised you and maybe didn't do a great job of it is very important. Which, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I guess it depends on the situation because for some people, you know... I mean, I guess that's a feasible option for everyone, in theory. It is, but it... For I guess it depends on the, the situation, because... Yeah, for, but forgiveness is incredibly hard. Exactly. We, and we've talked about this. Is it, like, like, forgiveness can be hard for super simple, basic right. things that really... Most people be like, that shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. So, for something... For something that might, you know, have affected your entire life and personhood. That could have literally rewired your yeah, brain. <laughs> I can see that one maybe being a little bit difficult. Yeah. Well, right now, I'm not going to forgive you for locking me in a closet for two years. Yeah. But thanks for suggesting it. Yeah, but you know, if Harry Potter can move That's on. That's true. <laughs> that fictional character did do quite well with it. <laughs> well, I mean, although he had his fair of shit. And to be quite honest, I don't know if he ever really did forgive his aunt and uncle. I'm not sure. I think he just built. I think he built a, a new life of support, and he just put their energy into them. So rather than, yeah. I don't know that he forgave them. I think he just moved, like just didn't dwell on it. Deuces, like and just built. Yeah, moved on. Yeah. So, um, but if you find yourself uh, someone who is dealing with people who are attention seekers, and you're not quite sure what to do, and this goes back to Claudette's. Uh, page and again I will I'll post Pestering. resources 
Pestering, yes. But I just, I I really like the name uh, Claudette, actually. You should have another kid so you can name Claudette. Uh, That is not going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. Is that not the right way to think about things like that? I like that name. I should have another person so I can give them that name. Maybe can I just get a pet? I was going to say, can I just get a kitten and name it Claudette? Better. Which would be an adorable name for a kitten. But I'm going to spell it C-L-A-W-D-E-T-T. <laughs> so it's a pun. I like that. <laughs> and if it's a white cat, it can be a white Claudette. <laughs> <laughs> My stepsister had a terrible experience with white claws. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people probably have. They just don't want to admit it. Uh, I mean, I've had. I, she had like a a, a physical reaction to oh, okay. it that was not particularly good. That's fair. But I, like, there's not enough alcohol in it for me. I think it tastes good, but I'm like, can we put some vodka? Some of them in taste this? okay, but yeah, I'm. I need more. I don't mind the flavor. I just need a lot more alcohol, yeah. or else what's the fucking point? They're delicious, <laughs> but I don't care. Right? Where's the booze? Uh, they're a mixer for me. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Can you mix my white claw with some vodka? Thanks. Right. You do know why I go hot? Yeah. No. 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 I don't give a shit. <laughs> no, I know. Do what I said. It's not a five fucking percent. Right. That's child's play. <laughs> What am I in kindergarten? I'm offended. <laughs> How, I'm an adult. God damn it! How dare you? <laughs> My liver and I are insulted and swollen. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so uh, if you happen to recognize some of the descriptions that we've talked about in someone that you are surrounding yourself with and you're thinking, Ooh, what do I do about this? Or if you're super self-aware and you realize it's you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and well, we already already talked about how you got to work your own shit out. I guess that's um, But actually, the first suggestion is, okay, so how do you deal with attention and sympathy addicts? The first one is don't be Be one. one. (laughs) It was like attracts like. Like, if you recognize that you have those behaviors in yourself, you're probably going to attract people who have similar personalities. Right. So, yeah, it's great to have some self-awareness. And if you recognize that you partake in those behaviors, if you can scale back on them, then you're probably not going to attract people who have the same types of behaviors. Uh, the other one is to set boundaries because a lot of times people who do this don't, they've not had boundaries set for them. So they just kind of clump all over what everyone else is doing because they yeah. just want attention. Look at me. Right. I'm just imagining like desperate dinosaurs like just kind of stomping on <laughs> For some reason it's always a T-Rex. So it's got to be the small little arms. arms. Yeah. Little arms. So while they're terrifying, they're also kind of endearing. They are. And then lastly, just know your limits. Um, you, you can't give what you don't have. So just because someone needs something. You can't give sympathy if you don't have any. Right. I mean, to be quite <laughs> honest. And that doesn't mean you have to be a dick. You can right. choose not to respond. Or you could choose re- to respond in a way that's very neutral. Like, oh, that's terrible. I'm so sorry. And then just, like, yeah. you don't have to offer to do something for them. You don't have to offer to fix it for them. You don't have to offer to let them come to your home and right. invade your space. Or Well, like it says, beware of your own behaviors. It might have invited these people into your yeah. life. Definitely think there's something to be said for, you know, in some level, depending on who the person in your life is and their behavior and how open they are to fixing it, you may have to accept that this is a person that needs to not be, you know, this person is toxic to you in some way and maybe needs to not be in your world. Or in your inner circle. Yeah. I really have 
found over the years that like you need to surround yourself with people who make you a better version of yourself. And so if you're with people who you find indulge the behaviors that you want to change, then maybe they're just not the the best people to have around. Right. And that can be rough to realize because it can be people who you thought you were close to or that you thought were or that you've had close to you for a long time yeah you value yeah, yeah. it can be difficult yeah it, it, that yeah that can be a very rough decision but if you are on a path of improvement and the people around you are an impediment to that there's nothing wrong with saying i need to create some distance and if they also finally come around to being on a path of improvement and you can welcome them back into your life that's fantastic but you do not have an obligation to lower yourself and that sounds really shitty but like to make your life harder or to take a step back in your progress because someone else is a stone tied to your ankle. Yeah, you're not obligated to keep bad people around just because you feel obligated to. Right, you can, and you can love them and you can be sorry that they're yeah. not further along in their progression. But that doesn't mean... The only... The, you have an obligation to yourself. Like, it's your life. You're the only person who's going to live it. And you cannot sacrifice yourself because someone else is struggling. Correct. Because... That's actually not going to help them. I'm going to say it's not going to help you in the eye. It won't help them. Catering to people that have issues like that that are, you know, causing themselves and you by proxy problems. Like, that's not helping anyone. No. No. And you're honestly just slapping a Band-Aid on a festering wound. I mean, they need to get that shit cleaned out and sutured and (laughs) move the fuck on. And stop picking at the scab. (laughs) But yes... I don't know. I mean, I, I do find pussy wounds fascinating, but <laughs> doesn't mean that I want them hanging around my life. Staring at you in the face and having dinner with you. Yeah, I know. All right. Well, <clears throat> I guess that wraps up our conversation. So I hope that everyone can recognize if other people in their lives are partaking in that behavior and maybe not indulge them in it. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be a participant in someone else's Change your phone number. Block them, <laughs> block them on Facebook. Or just don't respond. Make them move out if they live with you. <laughs> if they live with you. <laughs> yeah. And if you recognize that maybe you're doing some of those things, it doesn't mean you're a bad person, but you can also work to not do those things. Block yourself on Facebook. <laughs> That's pretty much what I had to do. <laughs> I just quit going on. I couldn't fucking stand myself anymore. I'm horrible. <laughs> I gotta get off. I'm the worst. But it's not a competition. We're all fucked up. Goodbye. Bye. We are not scientists, medical professionals, or mental health experts. We are simply two people interested in discussing a topic that affects everyone, either directly or indirectly. We are not expressing expert opinions, and anything we say should not replace medical advice or treatment. If you're struggling with depression or anxiety, especially if you are thinking of harming yourself or someone else, please seek the help of a mental health or medical professional. The number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. You can also chat with them online. Take care. My Asshole Brain was written and hosted by Amanda Green and Stephanie Coons. Artwork by Doug Tolles, produced by Stephen Beasley, and presented by Greasley Enterprises. Copyright 2018, all rights reserved.